Welcome to On Living, the Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Good morning, everyone. This is Leanne Nguyen speaking to you on Voice America. I welcome you uh, to the show. Very glad to find you again with me on this uh, on this show in this conversation. Um, as you know, you know the theme of this show is uh, I pose a question of, of what what does it mean to be human, and throughout the season I have uh, spoken about why that question is important to me and why I think that it's important for us to ask, uh, basically so that we can cherish our humanity, so that we can do justice to ourselves and to each other, so that we can bear well the responsibility that we have towards one another. Because, you know, we cannot tend to the garden. We cannot grow the garden that we live in, that we are in possession of. If we don't take full measure of the soil, the seeds, the landscape, the climate that we have, or the toxins that threaten the garden that we are responsible for. And we cannot cherish or make full use of the treasure that we are entrusted with, that we are in possession of, um, unless we take full cognizance of that treasure. And what I'm trying to say throughout is that that treasure is us, our humanity. And I've been saying that to protect something, we have to be in touch with the thing that is valuable and tender and vulnerable and precious in that thing. And that thing is our humanity. So in pursuit of this question, I have invited people um, about whom I kind of have the intuition uh, that they would have something to say that would shed light on this question of what it means to be human, either through by virtue of their work or of their being. Uh, they would have to say something, I trust, that would uh, help remind us of what it takes to stay human. And, um, you know, gradually lately, I've come to realize that uh, the question of what does it mean to be human has sort of implicitly gradually moved to the question of how do we protect, how do we strengthen the human, the, the, the humane in us, in our contemporary culture and society. So that's why I have sought out lately the, um, for example, the imam to ask him about religious faith uh, or the uh, octogenarian psychoanalyst who does work in China to ask her about how to say yes to life. Or last week, uh, the feminist activist, um, and therapist who does work in Africa and Asia uh, to ask her uh, to explain what is life affirmative about protecting abortion rights. So I didn't know, you know, fully what I really 
uh, wanted to know or what I would get until I engaged in conversation uh, with these wonderful people. Uh, but that's how life, I think, that's how living unfolds. You know, you find out about the question, about the thing that moves you. Um, you find out about the question that you had wanted to ask all along in the asking, in the doing, in the, 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 the engaging with the person. And you don't know what you really were uh, seeking until you uh, get on on the quest itself. Basically, the, I, I have come to realize in speaking to these people that the question reveals itself in the dialogue, in the quest. Um, and uh, I'm reminded again, you know, of, of, of the point that we have to live our way to the core, to the deep question that moves us, that moves in us. Um, and the only way to find ourselves our way to that question is by engaging in the quest itself, in the dialogue. So um, I, you know, for a while now, I had um, wanted to talk to my guest today. Uh, her name is Chanel Portia Albert. She is the founder of a really wonderful nonprofit organization that is based um, in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. And um, it, it's, it's an organization that's called uh, Ancient Song Doula Services. And, you know, she, her work caught my attention and I thought, oh, you know, it would be fun to, uh, to talk to this, uh, to this lady. And it's, again, it's intuitively I knew that it would be, uh, there would be something there <laughs> that, that I could get. And um, so as I was thinking about our conversation today, it, it came to me um, that the question that I, why I that, that the question that moved me uh, towards Chanel, which is the thing about how do we support life? You know, how do we uh, cultivate and strengthen and support this this process of of living and, in her case, of giving uh, life. So I want to welcome uh, to the hour uh, my guest for the day. Uh, as I said, Chanel Portia Albert. Uh, a few words to ground you in who she is. Um, I think her, let's see, how can I do justice to you, Chanel? <laughs> I guess I said that, you know, you founded Ancient Song Doula Services. That's, it's, it's sort of like a, a full spectrum doula service organization, right? To, to women of color. Um, uh, across socioeconomic uh, classes. And um, it's, it, well, you know, why don't I just let you Speak for yourself. I always feel like such an idiot, you know, trying to capture <laughs> what people do and who people are. <laughs> so let's just talk. <laughs> Welcome, Chanel, to Voice America. <laughs> so is it, can I say that your your work, your life, your business is about giving birth, helping people give birth? Is, is that a, a good place to start? That's, that's a good place to start. Okay. How did you... Um, you know, it's a wonderful name, Ancient Song, and I think it clues me into the philosophy, right, that, that you have uh, to, uh, to, 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 the, um, to this experience of, of women giving birth. Would you, could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I have a little cold. Um, so the, you know, Ancient Song is, it came, the name actually came to fruition from my own birthing experience with my first child. I have six children, and uh, I had a home birth, and the the noises and the sounds that I made, my family said, oh, it sounds like you're singing. 
Um, you know, because I was surrounded by my midwife and my family and people who were supporting me and my doula. Um, and it was a very um, sacred uh, and spiritual and very centered um, time, which allowed me to connect with something that was deeper than myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and so, like, you know, I said, oh, you know, it sounds like you sing an ancient song. And then I was, when I was thinking about names, I was like, ancient song. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and since then, you know, I've heard plenty of, um, of individuals who have sung an ancient song um, in their own personal experiences of bringing life into this world. Mm-hmm. Well, it also tells me that uh, it's giving birth in in your view, in is not just you know a, a technical medical event. It tells me that there are other aspects, other dimensions that we should access or yeah. offer to women in that process. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's really looking at the fact that everything that has happened to us since we physically came through someone else, um, and looking at like you know, intergenerational trauma, looking at um, the aspect of how we navigate the world and how we see ourselves within this world um, Mm -hmm. really plays a a huge role on how we birth our children into the world Um, and how we birth ourselves into the world, right? Because not only are you birthing a a child into this world, but you're birthing yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we have, you know, in all of those experiences, you know, they, they weigh on us, they either whether they're good or they're bad, you know, as well as our cultural and our spiritual beliefs. And so it really says that, you know, I'm a human being having this human experience and as such, you know, my human rights need to be protected um, Mm -hmm. within this space, right? Um, That acknowledges the fact that, um, yeah, I'm important, you know, like I'm important and I'm not here just taking up space and... I am valid um, because I think that a lot of us, we don't feel like we're being validated in this world. We don't feel like um, people see us. Um, we, we, we don't see children either, you know, and mm-hmm. it's really trying to bring back the essence of like, humanity into the birth room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my that's my friend in the background. <laughs> I know, I know. I love the background noise. <laughs> <laughs> that was unplanned for, but you know it's wonderful. This, that, this is how life works too. <laughs> but can you go back? I, I want to go back and 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 catch what what you said. We're not just giving birth; we are birthing ourselves. I, I think that you acknowledging, or you calling attention to the fact that it's not just the baby that is given life, but there is another person, the woman who becomes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so you're becoming into your other self, right? And I think that our world no longer prepares us for that other and what that looks like. Um, and so the doula essentially is working as a guide or a gatekeeper um, and helping you to transition into what that next self um, is, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, and trying to maintain the sacredness within an institution that doesn't necessarily value that. Um, You're talking about the medical institution? Well, I'm talking about the medical institution, yes. That doesn't necessarily value 
you know, the sacredness of the body, the sacredness of the individual, the sacredness of the spirit. Um, and, and so in, in that, you know, the doula is that gatekeeper who is saying, no, like, you know, this, this person has um, the basic human rights to, you know, be able to birth the way they want to, to be able to express themselves, to, you know, be able to, um, to fully actualize the whole essence of what it means to have a child without um, reprisal or um, fear-based coercion coming into the picture to make mm-hmm. someone do what they want them to do. <clears throat> Well, as I listen to you say that, I'm just immediately thinking that that totally, that sets us up against the whole, uh, you know, authoritarian (laughs) culture of of going to see a doctor, of stepping into the hospital, right? That that we're dealing with the experts, the people who know, who control life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and that's the thing, you know, we're trying to let folks know and, and providers know that you know, that individual, they've been in that skin since, again, they came from someone else. And so nobody knows their body better than them. Like, they are the experts within their health care. And what we have to uh-huh. do intuitively is that we have, to, we have to start to trust those experiences. We have to start to trust ourselves because we've been taught to be disconnected from, from self. So right. So being disconnected, like, we separate the human aspect of, of this is business. But this is this is my personal self, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I think that compartmentalizing of self is it's problematic, right? Because it is not it doesn't belong in the birth room, you know. And mm-hmm. we have so many interventions, and we have uh, situations like the infant maternal mortality rate for African American women in the United States being extremely high, you know. Um, mm-hmm. African American women are three to four times more likely to die of a childbirth related complication in the United States and in New York City alone, 12 times more likely. Right? And this 12 times. The level of education, 12 times. Uh-huh. 12 times more okay. likely. Okay. And this is regardless of education, socioeconomic, all of these things, right? So then that means that we, to me, that means that we're failing our society, right? We're failing human beings. We're failing life because we're so focused on our profit margin that we no longer care about the holistic well-being of the individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, can I say more specifically, we are failing women and children, mm-hmm. right? Yes, definitely. Is it, these two very specific groups in the populace, um, and you say that it's because of the money. What yeah, I mean, misogyny? I think a lot of it, I think, I think we, we have to think about um, the structure of our health care system within the United States is a lot of it is based on payers. And so if you have a certain payment type, if you have private insurance, if you have public insurance or Medicaid, then the, that dictates the kind of treatment that you are going to be given as an individual and the access to the resources that you are available to have. You know, mm-hmm. if you have private insurance, you have better care. And people know that they're not, they're going to treat you a particular way. If mm-hmm. you have public insurance, then you are also going to be treated, uh, you know, you're going to have less access to care and you're going to be treated a certain way. And then mm-hmm. we have to take, a, take into account, you know, social um, and racial things, such as racism and implicit biases in healthcare systems. You know, mm-hmm. institutionalized racism 
which, you know, says, like, people of color don't necessarily feel clean the same way, you know, or mm-hmm. just not listening to women in general, you know, and their mm-hmm. voices being mm-hmm. silenced when they say, like, you know, stop, or I need this, or I know what's wrong with me, um, mm-hmm. and just being overlooked and dismissed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I again, I want to ask you, I want to go back and ask you about um, the point you said that we are so, we have been conditioned in a way to be so disconnected, right, from our body uh, and, and, and from what, what happens to the process. So let's take a break for now. And then when we come back, uh, I will ask Chanel to, to speak more about that. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Do you think about what you really want? Are you looking to change or perfect your environment, your value, your life? We can help. Tune in to Everyday News with the Blantons. Hosted by husband and wife team Mark and Dr. Latasha Blanton, our program will help you find the answers to make the changes in your life with inspiring guests that can help you find your sense of place in the world and how you view it. Listen live every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Welcome back, everyone. I'm talking with uh, Chanel Portia Albert, uh, the founder of Ancient Song Doula Services uh, based in Brooklyn. Before the break, we were talking about... Um, Basically, what happens to to women during the birthing process uh, to the in in this healthcare system? Um, before we go more into all the the, the, the corruptive uh, you know forces that that can take away from the process, I want to ask Chanel first about. Let me just put it this way: when women come to you, 
right, for, for, for your services. What do you see in terms of the disconnection that, that they have been um, kind of conditioned in? You mentioned earlier, you know, that we're so disconnected from our body. What Describe more what you see when, you, when your clients come to you. Yeah, um, I mean, I see individuals that regardless of age, um, we have no, like, idea about the physiological process that our bodies go through um, throughout pregnancy. Um, I usually see individuals who um, may be coming in who are afraid, you know, who are afraid of not knowing, um, who are afraid of... Uh, uh, some mm-hmm. telling them. <laughs> Who are afraid of the things that okay. uh-huh. are afraid of the things that are happening to themselves and not knowing how to navigate that, right? Because they also may be trying to tell their provider that this is what's happening to me, this is what I'm feeling, um, and no one is listening. You know, no one is taking those things into account. Um, uh-huh. And you know, sometimes people are just, are just lost. You know, they they are lost in, and they're usually coming to us sometimes when um, they are, like, the, at the end of their pregnancy, and they're just finding out about the services, and they're like, wow, like, I didn't even know this existed, and this could have helped me in so many ways to navigate the months of pregnancy that I had in, like, making the transition a lot smoother, because mm-hmm. there's so much that I just, I'm unaware of. So is your role almost that, uh, do you think of yourself as like educating them, reintroducing them to their bodies or, or, uh, or, or as advocating, helping them say what they already know? I, I see it as re- a reintroduction, right? Um, our, our, our motto, um, if you want to call it, is reclaiming the ancient principles of birthing. Um, right? So it's about... <laughs> reconciliation uh, with ourselves is about the re- reconciliation with our bodies, um, with our physical and, and emotional and spiritual selves, and then being able to navigate through that in the present day, right? That sees mm-hmm. us as as individuals and not as collective beings having a human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really, you know, want to help folks to get back to that um, help um, see them get back to that collective experience where we see the process of uh, birthing as, again, a community thing. It's not just this individual experience. It's all of us. We're birthing. We're all birthing ourselves because our children are our community. Okay. So then what or who is involved in giving birth? When you say a community, what, what what do you mean by that? Um, I mean, there's a, there's many different people that are involved, right? So there's the, the doula, there is uh, their support person, whether it be their partner um, or a family member. There's the physicians that are involved. It's the institution. Um, it's their the structures of how people treat them on the street. Like all of that plays a role in our physiological processes, right? Uh-huh. Of again, uh-huh. how we see ourselves and how we and how we navigate through the world every single day. Right? And so it puts us in a place of my job is to bring bring back the mindfulness of self 
but then also the mindfulness of others, right? And so, and, and, and in doing so, that education then, you know, my hope is that the education gets passed down to other, to other folks, right? Um, okay. And it becomes this cyclical uh, effect. Mm-hmm, 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 okay. Mm. Would you mind, I realize, can you go back to the basic and tell the listeners and tell me also about what does a doula do? <laughs> okay, so um, there are different You know, because doulas, by the way, um, I, I live in, in, uh, in, in Brooklyn, you know, I live in Park Slope where yeah. literally now, it's, I, I think okay. that I swear it's the most fertile zip code. <laughs> <laughs> Of New York City, you know, <laughs> like the strollers are all over the street and, and every other block, you know, is pediatrics or, you know, baby wear and so on. And there's such uh, an attention to, um, to, to motherhood and to early childhood and so on. But I don't think that is the kind of tension that, that you are talking about. So, um, and I think of, you know, we talk about the doula as like this, this she-she luxury service, right, that, that rich women can, uh, can call on to. But that's not what you're doing, I don't think. Yeah, so we're not that luxury service. You know, what we are is, um, yeah, we're saving lives. You know, we are, I think, I believe we are, right, because we're, we're also seeing people who are in the, within the intersections of care. So there's a low risk pregnancies where everything is fine and someone just needs basic support um, and education. But then there's other things where we're assisting people who may have inadequate housing or may have food insecurities or, you know, we're assisting incarcerated women. Like, because mm. you're incarcerated, does that mean that you're less of a human being? Um, you know, and, and should you and your child be um, subjected to less than care because of whatever may have happened or whatever circumstances? No, I don't believe so. I think that all people, regardless of who they are, deserve, because we are human beings, deserve to have good quality, equitable health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the doulas that we have here at Ancient Songs, are, that's their focus, right? They are full-spectrum doulas, which means that they are um, trained to be able to assist individuals in wherever they are in their pregnancy. So whether they may experience a pregnancy loss or they are um, in the process of trying to have a baby or they are pregnant or they just had a baby, you know, um, the doulas are equipped with the tools that they need to be able to help them to navigate that, but then also, like, everything else that may be going on in their lives. Um and some, some people see that as a, a luxury, um, but, you know, we're also thinking about, again, the cultural aspects of, well, what does it mean to be a person of color now when you have all these other layers of things that are happening as well, um, and you're just trying to bring a life into the world? What, what so layers like, are you talking about? <laughs> say that again? Well, you say we have all these layers. Say, say more about that. For a woman well, when I say layers, I, I'm, I'm speaking of, you know, like I'm a woman, um, but I'm also a woman of color. I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how I'm seen and how I navigate the world looks very different from a white woman. You know, mm-hmm. um, how, how I experience, um, per- how people perceive me as an individual 
looks very different. And that's based on um, social conditions. That's not necessarily based on someone knowing me as a person, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're taking into consideration, like, again, what I mentioned before, like intergenerational trauma, people holding things inside of their DNA that have been passed Mm -hmm. on from their ancestors, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And all of these different things and how we have to process that to just to even be able to have a baby, um, you know, and, and feel safe and feel secure. Because the most important thing about bringing life into the world is that the person needs to be able to feel safe. They need right. to feel like they're being affirmed, you know, and, and that they're not being coerced into doing anything that they don't necessarily want to do. Because it's already like a, a, a nerve-wracking situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And, and, and so also, that, you know, when you say job. intergenerational transmission, it, it, it just to soothe and protect the woman so that she can be safe, but also to tend to what she then transmits to the baby, right, in the process. Exactly. 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 Right? Because also, within that process, right, think about all these different things that are going on in the environment. If you have loud machines, if you have... Mm-hmm. Um, You know, someone rushing in the room and saying, if you don't hurry up and do this, you know, you might die, you know, Mm -hmm, and maybe mm -hmm. it's not even non-medical, right? And so now Mm -hmm. the person's adrenaline is on high, and of course someone's going to tell you, okay, just do whatever you have to do, you know? Uh And then that uh baby comes out in these bright lights and this chaos, you know? Mm -hmm. know, I was just having a conversation with um, a midwife today, and we were talking about how you know, uh, the baby has something called shoulder dystocia. It's basically where a baby gets stuck. And, you know, when the baby, there was so many hands on the baby when the baby came out into the world that the baby wasn't breathing. And so the midwife says to the father, um, come, please talk to your baby, talk to your baby. Like, just talk to you, you need to talk to your baby. And as soon as he started to talk to the baby and the baby could hear his voice, um, the baby automatically took a nice deep breath in. It, um, the color changed and they got brighter and you could see blood flow circulation. And mm. instantly you realize like the experience that you just saw was something deeper than just medicalized resuscitation. Like mm-hmm. that was a connection, you know, through voice, through um, love. That, that that child could feel, right? Because that you could see that the child, that wasn't how they were expecting to come into the world. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't expect to come into the world with all these hands on them, right? Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. they need to know that somebody is there, you know, mm-hmm. to, to affirm them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens a lot. Is is the, 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 the human connection. Exactly. That we from 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 day one, from the first minute of life, we need that to survive. Exactly. And, exactly. And I, you know, and, you know, and, and it's children. uh it's a mystery to me how that gets so often how that gets lost. Um, in in the current healthcare system. Oh, well, actually, in, in in the current culture, which is what you know what what why I'm so preoccupied with that question, you know, on the show because I. I see how dehumanizing things are right now. But I think that from your, as a doula, you see firsthand that dehumanizing effect of how that takes place from the moment that the baby is born, yes. as you, you described it, all the noise and all the, the violence, right, that, uh, that, that assails the baby from the first moment of life. But 
Exactly, exactly. So is that is this part of the reason why the mortality rate is 12 times more? Why, why is it so high in New York City? Um, you know, I want to say that it's just, um, I think it's the collective experience of, of being a person of color or being a woman of color and the microaggressions, but then the, also the overt things that we have, right? Because think about it, like as me, I have a, a son, right? And as a woman of color, as a black woman being pregnant, like I have to think about how is he going to grow up? You know, how is he going to navigate the world? Like, are people going to, they may think he's cute now, but are they going to think he's cute once he's older and he's a, mm-hmm. he's an older black man, you know, mm-hmm. or a young black man? Um, and we don't have any, any, any respect for even young life, right? Because we see how people even regard children. And so... You know, wait, wait, Chanel, you're saying stress, something you know? very important that my guest from last week spoke about, too. Say more about how we have little regard for children. What do you mean? We don't respect do children. We don't see, I don't think we see children as valid human beings. You know, I think that uh, we want them to be present, but seen and not heard. Um, we don't, people don't like to hear them cry. They don't want to communicate with them. They find other ways in which to pacify them um, as opposed to engaging with them. And children from the time that they come out of utero are, are communicating with you. They're engaging with you. You know, they're having conversations with you. It's, it's a matter of whether you're in tune and are you listening. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to my child and my children all the time um, from the time that they, you know, were inside of me having conversations, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't validate children. We don't. We don't. Uh, we don't affirm them as being individuals who are free thinkers, who are able to like navigate things. And I think that 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 becomes problematic because then children learn to just be silent um, mm-hmm. and don't become their fullest self. Or do they learn right to like, disconnect then from their true selves? So it starts from exactly. from, from childhood. That disconnection that you're talking right. about by the time a woman shows right. up in the hospital, exactly, right? To exactly. To, to not to to have taught herself to not listen to herself, <laughs> and you're saying from childhood that's what happens between parent and 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 children. Huh. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just um, go into our second commercial break and then we'll come back and resume the conversation. Don't go away. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7. Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world. 
across cultures and identities. She has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose. Whether you are in New York City or anywhere in the world, visit her at drleanne.com. You can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on Skype. The website again is drleanh.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to On Living. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Okay, Chanel, I, I still want to go back uh, to the mortality rate because I, I am just so so sad, so unsettled by it. And it's it's preventable. And yet, right, it's just mounting and it's, um, it's just so entrenched, it seems. And I think it's tied up to so many things. I think to racism, to capitalism. <laughs> Maybe even to misogyny, uh, but but tell me, can can you say a little bit more about why babies die, why they don't make it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a time when we have all the technology and resources, supposedly, right, okay. to protect life. Yeah, I mean, I think I think too, it's the overuse of that technology, right? Ah. Um, Right, because we because we have it, I think that sometimes we feel like we need to use it, and if we don't use it, then there's a problem. And so I think that it's the overusage of that technology, right? Because the United States is one of the most industrialized places, but yet we fail when it comes to our women and birthing across the board, right? Regardless of, of race, you know, mm-hmm. and birth, just birth outcomes in general, <laughs> we. We're failing our women. Um, if you look at, you know, other um, highly industrialized countries, they're far better than us. Um, and they know that the process of birthing, they put it in the hands of midwives, not of doctors. Um, you know, because midwifery, you know, midwives, they offer a certain level of care and connection that an individual needs. So the doctor only comes in when it's medically necessary, you know, uh-huh. and... So I think that is part of it. I think it's the overusage of technology because um, it's like, oh, I have it, so I got to use it. But um, how does it kill? Then, oh, how maybe, does it do harm? The overuse. Well, I think it's be, I think because uh, it it doesn't allow for that connection, right? And so, in a birthing process, instead of listening and being connected to the mother when and listening to the baby 
um, and looking into her eyes and letting her know that she's safe and that she's valid, we're looking at what the machines are doing and what the machines are telling us. And uh-huh. not, you know, listening to what the person is saying, oh, this is how I feel, this is what's happening to me. You know, mm-hmm. and so we're looking for this validation of the experience of the individual through a machine, mm-hmm. not through mm-hmm. the okay. And the machine can be wrong. It's often wrong, and you're the, saying. Yes. The machine is often wrong, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. Okay. So that's number one, the overuse of technology. What else? What else kills? Um, racism kills. Um, so, you know, institutionalized racism um, and implicit bias, right? And so if we think about um, the, the structure of medicine, a lot of the medical technologies have been used on black and brown people, um, experimenting on them. And so there's a huge distrust and people of color and in the, in the medical system because of the way in which, you know, through forced sterilization, through the separation, the forced separation of children from their parents, from, you know, the sterilization of people who um, were categorized as, you know, either uh, in poverty or, you know, unwanted, um, that we also are dealing with, you know. It's even in our in, in medical textbooks up until recently, you know, there was a nursing book that said that black people don't feel pain the same way as <laughs> right, counterparts. Right, right, well, if you, right. Well, uh-huh. so you Yeah, I heard of that. that. Then, mm-hmm. then that's what they're going to learn, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we feel pain just like everybody else. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because we're all human beings, you know. And right. but if you if you if you start to incorporate these things into even something as basic as medicine, you know, across the board, then people are going, that's how people are going to treat you, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that is, that stems from racism. That doesn't stem from fact. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have to look at the impact of those things and how we are, ourselves have been conditioned to perceive things. Um, Cause we all have biases, right? But it's, it's how, are we being mi- actively mindful of those biases and are we able to move past them in order to help another individual or is your bias getting in the way of seeing the human in every, in every person, the, the mm-hmm. person that lives and breathing, you know, and who is navigating in the world. No one says mm-hmm. that you have to like everybody, right? But you still have to see someone as a, as a living, breathing entity and you should just respect that just off of, I don't know, to me, universal life. <laughs> yeah. So your job then, when you show up in the hospital, I mean, do you take your, your clients to the hospital or is it all home birth? No, I, I, I assist them wherever they want to go. So where, whether it's home birth, whether it is birthing center or the hospital. Okay. Then my my role is to offer, you know, non-judgmental support. So I'm supporting them wherever they are, you know, and mm-hmm. I, again, I'm supporting them where they are, not where I think they're supposed to be. And I think okay. that's the other thing, too. You know, we have these preconceived notions of where people are supposed to be in their lives and how they uh-huh. navigate that. And I think okay. that we need to meet people where they are, allowing them to, and giving them the tools that they need so that they can make an informed decision about their care and what they want to do 
And then mm-hmm. that broadens the spectrum for them to be able to actualize other things. Mm-hmm. But when we try to force people, it's like a child. When you try to tell them, like, you know, force them to do stuff that they don't want to do, they rebel. Adults do the mm-hmm. same thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, as I listen to you and I try to imagine myself doing, being in, in, in that, doing that job, and I realize it, it requires a tremendous amount of faith and, and respect mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the client, in the woman's judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, right? When you mm-hmm. say, you know, to support them no, wherever right. they yeah, are, right. I mean, you have to really restrain. I, I would probably have to restrain myself. <laughs> <laughs> to remind myself that you know she 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 knows what she what what she needs and that's hard. Mm-hmm. Because I think again, we have been we've been conditioned to not trust ourselves, and so in not trusting ourselves, we don't trust other people. Yes, and so we look right. outside of ourselves in order to find the answers to the things to us. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you already have all the tools that you need. That is uh, uh, that sounds deceptively simple, but it requires a lot of faith and discipline to live by that, to trust that we have the tools that we need, and to trust that the person standing next to us has the tools also, and that our role is just really to support and not to dictate, you know, or to to abandon, to turn away. Um, I was gonna. I was thinking though uh, about uh, what you said about um, how we fail to see the person as a full human being. So when you accompany your client and you know, and you enter the system, is it your job to try to remind the doctors to show uh, the staff? Uh, the humanity of your client? Is that part of what you have to do? Or am I simplifying it? Um, no. Um, I think that sometimes you, our primary focus is to be able to support the person in whatever looks, whatever feels good to them. Um, okay. Now, sometimes when we notice injustices happening, stuff that's blatant, you know, it is our job to remind the person that they have a voice um and to tell them like no like you know you have options we don't make decisions for folks because if we did that then we would be no better than the provider who Uh is telling because we have to think about language right when someone says oh you need to do this right oh you need to um or 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 give the directive i'm going to do this that's not asking the person's permission that's not asking for consent that's not asking them, oh, is it okay if I touch you? We're not taking into account, like, touch is sacred, you know? Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the way in which someone touches us um, can either make us feel safe or can can trigger us. It could it be a trigger for some folks. Um, mm-hmm. And so my job is to remind folks, like, to use your voice um, and what looks good to you. And then if mm-hmm. I see, but of course, if I see something blatantly happening, yes, I will speak up. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there and see someone's human rights be violated and and just conform and go along with it. Because when you do do that, then you are affirming that this is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, no, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what happens after they give birth? What happens um, to your relationship birth, with them? So for us, we stay with them for up to about a year. So we A will year? Wow. Talk to them. <laughs> 
Right, because okay. we, when we think of, when when doctors think about postpartum, you have a baby, you leave the hospital within three days, and then yeah. they don't see you another again for another six weeks. And it's like, but there's a lot of stuff that happens in between those six weeks. You know, there's uh-huh. uh, the navigation of the transition into parenthood and what that looks like for that individual. What 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 the transition is for the infant or the newborn coming from this. Um, safe space that was nice and warm and um, and now they're open and exposed to different elements and sounds in the world and so what does that mean for them and so they're both going through this transition of um, of a renewed self a new self yes right and so our job there is to help them to navigate well what does that look like for you what type of support do you need to make sure that that is a smooth transition um, transition you know, so taking into account, like, you know, someone, you know, just traditional things, having warm food, covering your feet, you know, not getting out of bed, you know, we're so used to, like, getting up and going and doing everything that we don't allow ourselves and we don't give ourselves the time and the space to rest and to be taken care of. And so, mm-hmm. you know, our job is to to affirm that space and let folks know, like, no, you don't have to do that. I don't want you to do that. I just want you to sit. Mm-hmm. And I want you to do nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And I want you to let your village or your community allow them to take care of you. Because mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, you don't have anything to feel guilty about um, in mm-hmm. doing so. What about the relationship between the mother and, and, and the baby? Do you tend to that also? Yes. Yes. So, you know, sometimes it's about their communication between one another, their feeding habits, you know, are they nourishing themselves? Um connecting, right, because depending on how the baby came into the world um, and maybe having to reacclimate the, the two of them um, to one another um, in terms of bonding and what that bonding means. Um, and so helping them through that process um, of, yeah, of just being one and what it means mm-hmm. to be one and, and, and synchronized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <sighs> Everything that you are describing of, of your of your job, you know, around the the, the 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 birthing process and postpartum, I'm thinking it applies or should apply to the whole living lifelong process, <laughs> you know, of learning yeah, exactly. to listen to ourselves, right, and to honor our right. bodies and 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 our spirit and and. Um, and to do justice to it, um, do you? How long have you been doing this work? I've been doing this since two thousand and eight. Do you think that it has um, transformed you? It has changed you in terms of how you approach life. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, we have can. we have just a few minutes. Yeah. So can you please tell me? Tell me how it has changed you. Um, I think that it has made me appreciate individuals more, um, appreciate their space, and to really see people, and to, and I mean truly see someone, um, mm-hmm. and to want to to validate them, um, and to let people know that they are valid, um, even when you don't feel like you're validated or you are valid. Um, it makes me want to create a safe space where people feel um, like just like someone cares, 
you know? And I think sometimes we just want to know that somebody actually genuinely cares, right? Because you could tell when someone is, like, like really genuinely cares or whether they're just doing something because, you know, mm-hmm. it looks good on my resume or this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, want, I want people to feel the way I feel. And when I, when I see folks who, who are able to feed themselves and nourish themselves and nourish their families and be able to do that in a way that is, I don't know, that is just still, I don't know, magical, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a be- As I'm talking about it, I don't know why I want to cry, but um, it just is this essence of, like, having faith in something greater than yourself and knowing that this is your purpose and what you're supposed to be doing. Um, because, you know, if I wasn't there, then what would have happened? And I know that I can't be there for everyone, but mm-hmm. by me passing on education and knowledge to others, it is my hope that other people are ever able to spread that knowledge and that feeling to others, and mm-hmm. it becomes like a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. But at, yeah. at the core of it, you are talking about really being with another human being. Right. That uh, that's what I'm going to take away from from our conversation, that that's the, the, the reward and the task of your work to really be there with another person for another person and mm-hmm. to witness what they're going through and to be there with them. And you're saying that that that, right. that is really that that's the reward. And and um and I think so too. And I hope you know that's that's what I've been trying to convey through the show. You know that there is nothing better, but also there's nothing more challenging that than being with another person. <laughs> you know, but it's worth right. it, right? Because I mean, it, it, yes, and, and it's in the most intimate of ways, right? Because people are are open, they're vulnerable, they have no clothes on. Sometimes I'm meeting them for the very first time. So it's like what allows you to be able to connect with someone, right? So mm-hmm. to connect with that, that essence of who they are and that split second that says that I know that I can trust you and you can trust me and mm-hmm. that I'm, gonna, I'm going to make sure that I can protect. If I can protect you in some kind of way, um, mm-hmm. then I'm going to try to do so. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's been times where I met people when they were in the throes of labor and I had never seen them before. Mm-hmm. And... You know, being able to connect in a way that says, like, wow, like, okay. you know, when people say, like, I, I can see, like, I see through you, um, it allows them to, to feel that essence of, I, I see the human in you, you know, okay. and I'm able to connect with that original source. Okay. Um, Chanel, we could go on for another hour or two, but unfortunately, the tyranny <laughs> of time, <laughs> I have to wrap up. Uh, but you're in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. I hope that we can uh, yeah. speak again. And I hope that the listeners will look up Ancient Song Doula Services. But most importantly, I hope that you all out there will um, take the time and make the effort to really listen and see the person next to you and listen to yourselves also. Goodbye for now. I'll find you again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.